Well, good morning, church family. Welcome to week number one of a series we're going to be in this summer called Tell Me Your Story. And uh, that's just a tease, just a preview of uh, some of the testimonies, some of the people you're going to get to hear from as we go throughout uh, the summer. Now, let me tell you how this is going to work. Uh, every week when we come to this time in the service, uh, there'll be a testimony on the screen. Um, and, and you'll get to watch that. Some of them are three, four minutes. Some of them are a little longer, seven, eight, nine minutes. Uh, but you're going to get to hear their story. And then what we're going to do is we're going to use that as a springboard, springboard for conversations about the gospel, about what God has done to change lives in our church and how God can change lives still today, your life, my life. Maybe someone who's not even here this morning is going to be here some week. They're going to hear that story. They're going to say, that's my story. That like I could totally relate to that. And God has a way of using testimonies to do that. God has this way of using our stories. I, I always believe this. I've said it before. God never wastes a hurt. And so sometimes what, what caused us hurt or pain in the past is actually something God can use for his glory and for his missional purposes today. If we are willing to do it. And as Christians, it is our call to do it. We're a great commission people. We share the gospel. We share our stories of our changed lives, and God can use those stories to affect others. And that's really what, what the essence of this series is about. I want to begin today in 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, turn there. It's toward the end of the New Testament, so toward the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3. As always, you are welcome to follow along on your phone, iPad, tablet, whatever you have. Just download the Oakwood app. And if you go to sermon notes, all of the scriptures and bullet points and all that will be there for you. Uh, man, the greatest thing that can happen this morning is for you to engage the Word of God, to hear, hear from the Lord this morning, and to have, have it change your life. And so, um, man, I, I tell you, one thing we all like, I think, is stories, right? I mean, we love hearing stories of, you know, I, I was thinking about the... Uh, the uh, tournament, the baseball tournament, the NJCAA that's been here in the last week, and uh, man, just so many stories out of that, right? I mean, a lot of those uh, young men that are playing on those baseball teams will go back with stories and memories from this experience, and we always like to hear a good story. And I'm thinking, how much more captivating are stories of the gospel where someone is lost and they get found? Someone, someone is, is living a life and they're going their own direction in life and they meet Jesus Christ and it completely and totally changes their life. Those are powerful stories. And those are stories that Christians need to tell. And that's where we're going to begin the series this morning. Is that I want us to understand as Christians, it is our duty, it is our obligation as ambassadors of Christ, as carriers of the gospel, to share our testimonies, our stories of our changed lives with others. And that's why I want to begin this morning here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. This is what it says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Let me say that again. Always be prepared. Prepared. Maybe you should say that with me. Say it with me. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter's giving us some guidelines here. He's, he's imploring us as Christians that we should be prepared to share our story, to share a testimony. 
to share the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We're going to do this with gentleness and respect. We're not going to take our Bibles and beat them on the head and say, you sinner, you're messing up your life, you know. That's not a good approach. We're going to do it with gentleness. We're going to do it with, with respect. And, and I know sometimes when you're dealing with lost people, um, <clears throat> wake, wake up, folks. They don't see things the way we do. <laughs> they, they, have, they have need for harsh reality check. So when we're telling our stories, we're going to do this and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to do it with gentleness and we're going to be respectful. But that doesn't mean that we're watering down the truth. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to give them the truth from God's word and from our lives. There's a lot of people that love to argue about, you know, politics and, and religion and Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you what, I have seen so many guards, people have their guards up, get knocked down. Because someone is sharing their personal story, their testimony about Jesus Christ. And no one can take that away. Now, it says always be prepared. Always be prepared. I mean, that's what jumped out of me at, at, at 1 Peter 3.15. And that's where I wanted to begin as we, as we start this series, is that we're to always be prepared with our story. To always be prepared with our testimony. And it's amazing how we will prepare for things in life. I mean, if we're going on a fishing trip, it is amazing how we will prepare. If we're going on a fishing trip, maybe you need waders, maybe you're going to be in a river, maybe you're going to be in a shallow part of a lake or a pond somewhere. But if you're not doing waders, maybe you've got a boat. You've got to prepare the boat. You've got to make sure it's got gas and oil. You've got to make sure it starts up. You've got to make sure you put the plug in it or you're going to be sunk just a few feet out, right? Some of you have that story. You have that testimony. Um, but you prepare. If you're going fishing, you have to have what? Poles, right? And you got to have bait or lures. And you, you've got to have all this equipment. You've got to have the net. You've got to have something to keep the fish in. And then if you're going to clean the fish, you know, right there off the lake or you're going to take all. I mean, you have to be prepared. It's amazing the preparation, the extent to the preparation that we will go when we are going to go fishing on a trip. For some of us, it could be vacation. We're going on vacation. We are prepared. We bring an outfit for every day or Two outfits for every day, or if you live in my family, five outfits for every day. I got all girls, all girls in my house, so it's okay. Um, and so, you know, you, but you prepare, you're thinking ahead, right? You're thinking ahead, you're like, okay, I've got to do this, and I've got to prepare this. I mean, we prepare in life for lots of things. Some of you are really meticulous as you prepare for retirement, right? Is, is, I'm preparing for retirement. Some of you are preparing through education for your future. You're, you're preparing for a job. You're preparing for some kind of a career. And you do all this preparation. You do all the study. And, and, and you, are, you are taking in information. And you're attending the webinars and the seminars. And you're getting certifications. And, and you're, you, you prepare for it. You prepare for things in life. If you were a young man in this baseball tournament, do you think those teams just show up? with a bat in a hand and, and a glove, and, and, and you know, we're just gonna play some baseball. No, they prepare, they have practices. They probably begin their preparation for next year this week. It's called the weight room, right? They're gonna try to get stronger. They're gonna try to build their bodies and their muscles to, to be stronger, to run faster, to be able to swing, swing speed, to get picked up, to swing faster, to hit the ball further, to get to hit it harder, to run the bases faster. And all that's preparation. Now, you know where I'm going with this, right? You see the low-hanging fruit here. We prepare for some of the most trivial things in life. We prepare for our golf game. We prepare for vacation. We prepare for our career. But we are called by God to be prepared to share our story, the reason for the hope that we have, 
It says to always be prepared to do that. And the first challenge this morning for all of us is, how many of you prepared? If I picked you out right now and I just pointed you, I said, come up here. Here's a microphone. Tell me your story. Are you ready? Because the scripture says to always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, if you're a non-Christian, you're a person that hasn't named Christ as Savior and Lord this morning, the good news is you're off the hook. <laughs> okay? I hope that you have this story someday. I hope that you'll make a decision. You'll say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. I want to give my heart to him. I, I, I want to make that decision for Christ. I want to repent of my sins and, and turn toward the right way in life. I want to taste that watery grave of baptism. I want to be in Christ Jesus. But for those of all us that have made that decision, and statistically speaking, on a Sunday morning in a church service, that's most of us, have made that decision, we're on the hook to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us for the reason, for the hope that we have. Now, as part of that preparation this morning, I want to share a section of scripture with you from Acts chapter 26. So if you're in 1 Peter 3, it's toward the back. Just kind of turn to the middle of the New Testament there into the book of Acts. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. 26 is toward the end of the book of Acts. And that's where we're going to be this morning because I want to, I want to as preparation for us to share our story, share a story with you this morning in a passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. Most of us, you've been in church any amount of time. You know the Apostle Paul. He writes most of the New Testament. He has an amazing conversion experience, salvation experience with Jesus Christ. And in Acts 26, you actually get to hear him present his testimony. Now, let me give you a little bit of background here. Just about three chapters before this in the book of Acts, Paul's gotten into some trouble. He's gotten into some trouble because of his new life in Jesus Christ. He just can't go anywhere without talking about Jesus. And he's making, making converts to Jesus Christ. These are, these are disciples being made. And, and so it causes quite a stir in every town and community he goes to. Now, if you know of Paul and his life before Christ, you knew that he was a Pharisee and you knew all these things, that he was a persecutor of Christians. And now he's a Christian, which just is blowing people's minds. It makes his life in Christ even more amazing because here's the guy that was hoping Christians would die and would throw them in jail because of their faith and now this guy is preaching the gospel and wanting people to be saved in the person that he was persecuting and you're like what is going on and so the Jews are really frustrated by this and you know their 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 plan right well their plan with Jesus was to shut Jesus up we're going to do what we're going to we're going to kill him, right? We're, we're going to make false charges against him, bring him into some false trials and kill him. Well, that's basically the same pattern the Jews are using here with the Apostle Paul. They, they, they've made some false accusations that he started some riots and that he was defiling the temple. And they made all these false, accusa all these false accusations. They bring him before Felix, one of the Roman rulers. Then Felix says, hey, let's get Festus involved in this, which are great baby names for those of you about to have have children, Felix and Festus, be cute little boys. Um, but they got Felix and they got Festus. And so after that, King Agrippa, and, and here, here's where we pick up in Acts 26 today, is he's giving his testimony, he's testifying before King Agrippa. King Agrippa is the Jewish leader appointed by the Romans. Did you catch that? So he's the leader of the Jews, and he knows all about the Jews stuff, but he's been appointed by Rome to be their official. Now, you know about the Roman occupation and everything that happened during Jesus' time leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so 
They bring in, he's been to, to Felix, he's been to Festus, now he's before Agrippa, and that's where we pick up the story here, Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Okay, it's like he's on trial here. So Paul motioned with his hand. I don't know why, why that's in there. I'm always like, you know, ta-da, or, you know, I don't know. Uh, so Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all of the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all of the Jewish customs and controversies, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. Now let's pause there for a second make sure we understand. He's saying, hey, it's been promised this Messiah, the Son of God is going to come into the world. We've read all of the prophecies about this in the Old Testament. We know this is coming, and that's why I'm on trial today, because he's come, and no one wants to recognize him. In fact, we killed him. Sent him to the tomb for three days, but he rose again. So, so that, that's a little bit of the background here. Now look at verse 7. He says, This is the promise our 12 tribes of Israel are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. He was dedicated to putting an end to Christianity. Verse 12, on one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. And we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent 
and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. This is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day so that I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and, as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Do you understand what just happened here in Acts 26? Paul just told his story. He just shared his testimony. Before all these Roman officials and King Agrippa, who, is, who he's sitting there with, he shares his testimony, and there's power in his story. There's power in his testimony, and there's power in our testimonies today as well. We need to share our stories, and that's where I want to begin this morning. When you are preparing... And when you are ready to share your story, you need to share, you begin this way, you share your attitudes and actions before you were saved. That's where you need to begin, is you share your attitudes and your actions before you were saved. That's basically what the Apostle Paul is doing here in verses 1 through 11 of the passage. He's sharing his back story. He's sharing who he was before Christ Jesus. Now, I've been a part of, of many small groups and, and, and Sunday school classes and those type of things. I've heard many testimonies in our church. I mean, that's really kind of what inspired this series is my group on Wednesday nights this year, we shared testimonies. We did it in the fall. We did it with a new, new group in the spring. And it's just amazing when you hear people's stories and their testimonies about Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to say here to begin as we begin formulating how are we going to do this, how do we prepare ourselves to share our stories, is that when you are sharing your backstory, your story of your life before Christ, you need to be 100% honest, but you also need to be careful. Sometimes I've been a part of somebody sharing their testimony, and when they're talking about their past, they, they, they kind of glorify it a little bit. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I was a drunk and a swindler and a womanizer, and I did all this kind of stuff. And sometimes they're kind of smirking about it. Sometimes they, they just make a big deal about it, and they go into all these gory details about it. Sometimes they, sometimes they, they, just, they just make a bigger deal out of it uh, than, they, than they should. And, and that's why I say I think it's so important that you're 100% honest, that you own your stuff, and you, you really lay it out for people. Because sometimes people will relate. That's, how, that's the hook into your story is they see how lost you were. But sometimes we have this tendency to laugh about it or to make light of it or maybe to glorify it a little bit. And so be honest when you're sharing your testimony, when you're telling your story. But also be wise. Be careful as you're sharing it. Look at what the Apostle Paul did. In verse 5, he, he tells them, hey, I lived as a Pharisee, the strictest sect of our religion. The Pharisees were the teachers of the law. They literally had the law memorized. He had all the laws memorized. He was living his life just in, in strict adherence to the law. And that's who he was, right? He was a religious guy, but he was a Pharisee. And then he talks in verse 9 about how he was, the, the, ver, the wording there says that he was hostile toward the name of Jesus Christ, but he was opposed to the name of Jesus Christ. And then he gets more specific into his attitudes and actions before he was saved. He talked that he, that he imprisoned many saints, that he condoned the deaths of many saints in verse 10. 
In verse 11, he just comes out and he just says, hey, I persecuted Christians. This is who I was before I met Jesus Christ. And this is where you begin when you're sharing your story. And so I want you to consider this morning, what is your backstory? Who were you before you met Jesus Christ? For some of us, it's been a while, right? Think back to who you were, what was going on in your life. Because sometimes that part of the testimony is the hook that gets people to listen in because it's like, you understand lostness? I never knew you were lost. I thought you were always a Christian. There was a time where you, you blatantly pushed against God. There was, a, there was a time in your life where you were sinning against God blatantly and throwing it up in his face. Really? I had no idea. Sometimes it's good to share that. And, and you know, I was thinking about this. With the testimony of the first century church, you, you, you see, sometimes I wonder, and you read the book of Acts, you read the rest of the New Testament, they're under such great persecution. How did Christianity get out of the first century church? I mean, how did it get out of the first century at all? I mean, when you made a decision for Jesus Christ in this era, it could sometimes be a death sentence, like seriously. You could be thrown in prison and at the very least persecuted, maybe knocked out of your job, knocked out of your career, just because of your faith in Jesus Christ. It'd be the equivalent of this. You're going home today. You've ate lunch after church. You turn on the PGA golf tournament because there's one every weekend this time of year. And about the second hole, about five to seven minutes in, you begin to snooze, taking a little nap while you're watching golf, because golf always puts me to sleep. So that's, you know. And so you're resting there in your easy chair, and you've got the golf on, and there's a knock at your door, and it's the Enid Police Department, and they're there to arrest you because of your faith in Jesus Christ and to throw you into prison. That's what you signed up for. It's an important part of their story. It's a very important part of Paul's story to say, I was that guy that would show up at your doorstep and take you off to prison and make your life miserable. Make your life as miserable as I could be to try to discourage you from joining the Jesus movement. It's a powerful part of his story. It's a powerful part of your story as well. Share your attitudes and your actions before you are saved. Be honest, but be careful. The second thing this morning is that we need to share the circumstances surrounding your salvation. Share those circumstances surrounding your salvation. You're going to share your backstory, and then you're going to share these circumstances. Think about it. What was going on at the time? What was going on in Paul's life? He was actually heading to persecute Christians in Damascus. Specifically, he had orders from the chief priests in Jerusalem to go arrest people that were following Jesus in Damascus. To arrest them and to drag them back, that's where his companions were there for, to drag those people back to Jerusalem to stand trial, to be thrown in prison, for some of them to be put to death. Those were the circumstances surrounding his career. He talks about it in verse 12. He says, I was on the, on the way to Damascus. In 12 through 18 there, he's giving all these circumstances. What, what, what was going on? What time of day was it? He says it was high noon. I remember it vividly. It was high noon. What did you see? There was this bright light from heaven. And it wasn't like the sun at noon. It was brighter than that. It was brighter than the sun. It was so bright, it knocked all of us, me and my traveling companions, down to our knees. And it was like the glory of the Lord was surrounding us. 
And who was he with at the time? He was with these traveling companions, these friends that were also going to arrest people. And what did he hear? What happened in that moment? Jesus spoke to him. He gave him, he called him by name, and he asked him a question. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you coming against me? And then Jesus gave him instructions. We don't get all the instructions in the testimony in Acts 26, but if you go back to Acts chapter 9 and you read about what actually he's talking about in Acts 26, you can get the whole story there in Acts chapter 9. As Jesus gave him instructions to go into Damascus and to meet a man, and you know the rest of the story. He gives his life to Jesus Christ. He's baptized, and he begins immediately serving God and preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus to everyone. Here's the interesting thing about sharing your story and sharing your circumstances surrounding your salvation. Everyone's circumstances around their salvation are different, but all of them end up the same. That all of us are all completely different times. Maybe it was at church camp. Maybe it was at after a church service. Maybe, maybe it was just at a, you know, at, a, at a family deal and your uncle was sharing his testimony and he led you to Jesus Christ. Maybe it was a friend. I mean, we all have a different experience of how we came to Jesus Christ, but we all ended up in the same place. Where we realized the error in our ways and we made a faith decision. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. It's like putting a stake in the ground. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. He's now my Savior and Lord. Jesus says that we need to repent of our sins. That means I'm going to turn away and leave my life of sin. It's part of the testimony of a saved life is that I'm not, I'm not who I was. I mean, that's who I was. That was like my identity was wrapped up in my sin. Maybe it was in my anger. Maybe it was in my lust. Maybe it was in, in being a thief and stealing. Whatever it was, my attitudes, my actions, my language. Whatever it was, that's, that's who I was. That's in the past. That's not, it's, it's an identity thing. Now my identity is in Christ Jesus. Wow. And it's completely different. My life is completely different. And we all are different circumstances, but we all end up the same. If you've been in the church any, any amount of time, I mean, my, my story, I've shared it before. I was at church camp. I was 12 years old. I've been to church camp and in church my whole life. Thursday night, last night at church camp, 12 years old, it was like the preacher that night and that outdoor chapel service was preaching to me. They offered a song of invitation at the end. I remember I'd been white-knuckling it for three nights. White-knuckling it is when we used to stand at the end of a service and sing a song of invitation. They would say, come forward if you want to accept Christ. And you just grab the pew and you just hung on. <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> The Holy Spirit battle going on for your heart right in that moment. But I've been white knuckling it for three nights. I went for it, gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was it was awesome. I'll never forget it. For my wife, it's a completely different story. She was 17, almost 18 years old. It was a Billy Graham crusade that came through Enid, somewhere out north. At the end of hearing the gospel that night, and some friends had invited her to go to it. They said, come forward, answer a call to invitation, come forward if you want to accept Christ. And she walked the aisle and went forward. She was assigned to some decision counselors that were ministers and minister spouses from local churches that were there. And it just happened to be uh, a man and his wife, Bob and Robin Belts from Oakland Christian Church, that she was assigned to when she'd made that decision. And they helped bring her to the Lord. She was baptized and started her discipleship and her walk with Jesus Christ. Everyone's story is different and completely unique. But everyone ends up in that same place, in the family of God, 
redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And what an awesome story to share with people. So you share those circumstances around your salvation. The last thing this morning is you share the gospel and the changes in your attitudes and actions since you gave your life to Christ. You share the gospel and the changes in your attitudes and actions since you gave your life to Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul does it here in verses 19 through 23. Let's just look at that. He says there, so then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Who was the vision from heaven? It was Jesus. He's saying, I was not disobedient to Jesus. When he said, repent of your sins and turn away, I repented of my sins and turned away. When he said, go into this city and meet this, meet this guy that's going to help lead you to Christ, I did that. I was baptized. And then I immediately joined the, the Great Commission mission to share the gospel with everyone, to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. It's important that we also share the gospel there. I know so many Christians that get caught up in this part. Well, I don't know what verses to give them. Well, no, whatever. Okay, take notes. Write it, write it down this morning. Write it in your Bible, on your hand, in a notebook, in the app. Whatever you need to do this morning, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. First of all, there's this thing called the Romans Road. If you've been in church or you know, been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably heard of the Romans Road. It's Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an acknowledgment that we're all sinners. Then you go to um, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can go through all of these verses in Romans. Now, that's not my favorite place to share the gospel. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, so write that one down. Romans Road's good, uh, and I know it's been around longer, but uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is my go-to. Alan actually preached this in a sermon um, several weeks ago, but I, I just, I just want to share it with you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It's a great gospel presentation. This is what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, and all of us also lived among them at one time. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath of God. Doesn't that sound like all of us, B.C., before Christ? And then we get to one of the best buts in the Bible in verse 4. It says, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It is through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God and not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Folks, that is the gospel. The first three verses talk about who we were before Christ. How do we accept Christ is in 4 through 9 there. And then verse 10, it reveals the end result. You are God's workmanship. You're his handiwork. Greek word there is poema. You are his poema. You are, that's where we get our English word, poem. You're God's poem, his masterpiece. 
And you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. That after you walk out that salvation step with Jesus Christ, now you are to be working for the kingdom. You are now a kingdom worker. You are now part of the Lord's army. You have now enlisted yourself to be an ambassador of Christ Jesus. And ambassadors of Christ Jesus tell their story of Jesus and they share it with the world. And so you share the gospel and you share the attitudes and actions of your changed life, just as the Apostle Paul did here. Now, I know some of you, this makes you a little bit nervous, right? Because maybe as a Christian, maybe you, maybe, maybe, maybe you backslid a little bit. Man, when I gave my life to Christ, I was, I, man, coming out of that watery grave of baptism, I just felt so clean and so pure. And I like, reset button, second chance of life. Yes, let's go. This is awesome. And then... You allowed Satan to, to tempt you, and you started going back to old ways that are not your identity anymore. That's not who, who I am in Christ Jesus. And some of you don't want to share your story because you know your testimony is tainted now by a life of sin. Because you've gone back to old ways and old patterns. The good news for you this morning is that you can re-repent of your sins. Do you know what Apostle Paul calls himself? In the New Testament, chief of sinners. Chief of sinners. He's like the, the main sinner. But he's also a chief repenter. Because he says also in the New Testament, I die daily to myself. And to my sinful desires. I die daily to all of that. And I'm raised to walk in newness of life. And I no longer live. You remember this from the series earlier this year, Galatians. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's the power of the gospel. And that's the power of your story. Is that your redeemed life is on display for the world to see. And I know sometimes they can see Christ in you through your attitudes and actions without you even saying a word. They look at the way you live your life. But... How many of us would it be awesome if we would actually sit someone down to a cup of coffee, take them to lunch someday, sit with them on the bleachers at the soccer field or wherever we're at, at work, grab them on a 15-minute break and just share our story of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. I mean, we feel like if we do that, well, then I'm responsible. What if I say the wrong thing and then they go to hell forever and it's because I said the wrong thing? No, 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 no. That's not your responsibility. You be obedient to Christ, you leave the results to him. Do you hear me, church? You be obedient to Christ, you leave the results to him. Do you not think there's enough grace to cover whatever word you didn't say right? Come on. I think if I'm God and where I'm, where I'm sitting from, I just want to see people do something. Share the story. Go to the family reunion and tell all of your lost family about Jesus and glorify him. Because I'm just going to admit it, it takes guts. But the Holy Spirit is there in you to guide you and to lead you in those moments. And what you're called to do is to be obedient and to get out there and to do something for the gospel.